Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... There it is. There's the live button. Welcome to House of Champions. YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in the chat. And make sure you smash that like and subscribe buttons as we review the action from today's World Cup semi-final between Argentina and Croatia. In the House of Champions tonight, we do have a champion, Luis Garcia. Golf clap, everyone, for that turtleneck that he's wearing right there. <laughs> looking a lot like James Bond. Nigel Rio Coco, baby. Good to see you, Nigel. Michael LaHood in the house. Let's get straight into it, boys. The match has just finished. And what a game we witnessed. Argentina hammering Croatia by three goals to nil. The magic of Lionel Messi was ever present in this game when I thought his hamstring had fallen off in the first <laughs> half. He absolutely turns up in this game. Lucho, I got to come to you first because I know you're just a, a Messi, Messi fan. And obviously you followed him so closely, known personally as well. What a performance from Messi, man. Yeah, good to see you all, guys. And what a performance. And yeah, yeah I was a little bit afraid when I saw him stretching a little bit, touching his hamstring. I, I was thinking... It's, it's, it's done. It's done. He couldn't walk for a while. He was just, yes, walking around, not even jog. And I was afraid. But at the end, it's Lionel Messi. And once again, what a performance. That's the, the best player in the history of these sports. That's just my opinion. I know there are different ones. But uh, looking forward to see uh, the final. Ah, oh, man, Lutra, I was there with you. I, I flew back from California, just came back from an impromptu wedding, just to witness the magic of Lionel Messi. And just simple as, get your celebratory mates out. It's coming home, not to England, though, NRC, but to Argentina. Put that in the receipt bucket, because I think it's theirs to take. I'm convinced. I'm on the bandwagon. Woo! So wait, you've you've completely wiped out <laughs> France and Morocco's opportunity of beating. It's Argentina. coming home. It's coming home. Michael, if you're going to say something, let's be realistic about it. Hmm. This is the best performance we've seen from Argentina, hands down. I'll admit to that. That is the best performance. We thought they'll be ball dominant. They weren't. Croatia were completely ball dominant in the first half. And as we all know, and what we say to people listening, goals change games. That first goal that Argentina got 
completely changed the dynamic of the game we just witnessed. They grew in confidence. And again, a bit of luck and fortune in the second goal, but they still made it happen. But I think this is the best performance I've seen from Argentina, performance I've been waiting to see. Them without possession, them looking organised, them looking solid defensively, clinical. And we saw today vintage Lionel Messi. Yeah, excellent performance from Lionel Messi. Uh, he has now scored 11 goals at the World Cup, the most of any Argentinian player in the competition's history. His 25th World Cup appearances, only three of those have come from the penalty spot. Lionel Messi, the first player to score and assist in three different games in a single edition of the World Cup since 1966. But it wasn't just Lionel Messi, it was also Julian Alvarez. I'll come to you first, Nigel, because you've covered him, obviously, coming through the ranks and making his move over to Manchester City. This guy just continues to score goals. He has scored in six of his eight starts for Argentina with four of the goals coming in this competition and he is becoming a key figure to Argentina's success especially when it comes to the knockout stages he was also kind of looking a little bit like he was banged up in the second half but my oh my I want to know from you about his performance individually Julian Alvarez but also what changed in the game because you mentioned you know for 20 minutes there wasn't even a shot in this game and then that opening goal completely flicked the switch and we saw pretty much Argentina at their best yeah, I think for me, without Alvarez, Ian, he's a fantastic player. And there's a reason why Pep Guardiola went after him and why he's at Manchester City. He is a Pep type of player. High energy. We always say this, and for people listening who don't know, when you talk about defending, defending starts from the front. That's what Alvarez does. The youth and enthusiasm that he has, he works so hard for Argentina. Running back, tracking back when losing possession. There was one point in the game where he carried the ball nearly the length of the pitch, lost it and ran back, tracked and, and fouled Modric without getting booked. That just shows the little small intangibles that's needed. But what he does and what he brings to this Argentina is just a fresh energy. And let's not just talk about him running around like a headless chicken. No, he doesn't do that. He runs with a purpose and he's got the quality to finish and he's finishing, he's getting better and better. From seeing him when he was at River Plate to where he's at now at Manchester City, you can start to see now the development that's happening with this young player. And that's what happens when you move to bigger clubs and play with better quality players without no disrespect to River Plate. When you play with top players, you learn. And you can see his enthusiasm to learn. I think it's absolutely sensational. I think he's going to get better and better with age and experience. And the one question I want to pose to you guys also, do you think that Alvarez is the best striking partner that Lionel Messi has played with throughout his entire career at the Argentinian international level, and why? Good job. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a great question. I'm gonna stick first. I'm gonna talk a little bit about his movement. I just love the way he moves. He knows exactly the timing and the awareness of the space. It's just fantastic. Exactly the perfect moment to use the space that is free. I mean, you can see in the in the penalty where he's on site, the, the Lovren, yes, probably, yes, it's a matter of judgment a little bit, but he's on site. The speed is perfect of that fantastic ball from the middle of the park. And then during, in the in the third goal, in the in his second goal, you can see the understanding what he needs to be. He's a, a center forward. So normally, a center forward trying to find his space inside the box. He's right there. He knows the only chance that Messi is going to uh, make him arrive the ball is that small spot between the near post in the uh, out out in the, the um, box, yeah, how it's called um, six yard box. Yeah, it's six yeah. yard box. That's the only spot you can receive because there's so many people there. The only way to put across is right there, and he's there waiting that ball. That awareness of the space is just magnificent. I love it, and I want to give a, a shout out to uh, Scaloni because mm. he saw it. 
he saw it very quick on there during the tournament. Lautaro, he was the main striker we've seen during the qualification. We've seen that he was the main target, the main player here up front with Lionel Messi. And he realized that, listen, no, no, no. I have to use this kid because of that intensity that you Nigerians are talking, because of that um, football awareness and intelligence that he's got up front, because helps Lionel Messi don't move. We've seen Lionel Messi just walking and walking and walking, and he's doing the job for both of them. The job that two players are doing up front, he's doing for both of them. So I think that is a fantastic credit uh, that we have to give to Scaloni to solve that in, in just right on time to arrive to today's game that, again, is a performance of the whole squad, of the whole team, because yeah. you cannot point a player to say, no, he wasn't average. No, no, no. All of them, they perform at the highest level. The intensity at the back, the pressure that they put in every single play of Croatia, even though that you guys are talking, in the first 20 minutes, they were a little bit um, uh, dominated. Yeah, but no shot on target. No one even yeah. created a chance. They knew what they were doing, and they knew that they would have a chance. So, Wow, yeah. I have to clap, and I enjoy very much that performance. I think that's well said, Lucho. I, I really enjoy this balance. The word balance is what I think of when I think of strike right. partnerships. In the Premier League, both of you playing in the Premier League, think of some of the best partnerships in Premier League history. There's a balance. Lionel Messi, he will play is that withdrawn of the front two. If he's going to come down, and I, there was a tactical adjustment to this game that I saw from the onset. It was Lionel Messi dropping deep in the midfield. In the previous games, he was staying higher on the line, playing more like a center forward, sometimes like an attacking midfielder, but mostly as a second striker in this game, an out-and-out -out attacking mid, dropping deep. What does that do? It sucks out the likes of Guardiola. I thought this was a difficult task for the Croatian center back, who has been immaculate throughout this tournament. <clears throat> and he got a lesson in world-class striking by Lionel Messi and that interchange and partnership between he and Julian Alvarez. What that does is when you commit a center back out, you have to give attention to Messi. It sucks out the Croatian midfield and it creates space for the speed, the pace, and the running of Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez, he's a runner. He recognizes what he needs to do. When you're playing with Lionel Messi, you need to move off the ball. Messi will find you. Molina showed it on the first goal against the Dutch. Messi has eyes in the back of his head. He is that special. He's a genius. We know that he needs people he can find in the final third. And I think that is what makes this kid, for such a young talent, that's what makes him special. Yes, the goal scoring is there, but his ability to recognize how to export space, that is what makes him world-class and on the cusp. If he's not already world-class, he's on the cusp of that at a very young age, playing at this World Cup. For the Argentine setup, going a 4-4-2, I thought that was brilliant because Croatia's strength is in their midfield. You have four ball winners. Each of those midfielders, they're going to work tirelessly, and you have attacking players and attacking pieces who can come in once the job is done to finish out the game. Scaloni deserves full credit for how he managed this one. I thought that he outcoached his adversary. Mike, you've made about eight points in one uh, comment right there. Great job <laughs> on that one. That's a record for this show. Go ahead, yeah. Nigel. <laughs> Ian, they both haven't answered my question still, though. Do you know what I mean? It's a great <laughs> I'll point. answer, I'll go ahead and answer it. I'll answer but, it. Go on, then. I'll answer it. I think it's too early to tell. You look at you look at some of the players. They play some of the games players. together. I mean, totally you play, right, look Mike. at some of the players that Messi has played with. Right. I think personally, I'm going to go in. I think that for me, it works. It's the best one. And it's the points that you've both made. Messi takes very intelligent footballing positions on the pitch because he knows how much of a threat he is. Teams are going to be worried about Lionel Messi regardless. He uses great football intelligence. But when he does that, he needs the players around him to see what he's doing and be intelligent with their movement and runs 
Nigel, well. do you not do you not think he's also teaching him that as well? Yes. Because he's, he's yeah. getting okay. the best out of himself, but also for the kid, he's getting the best out of the kid teaching him. This is my point, Ian. And this is this is something that we can all relate to and be realistic about. The reason why I think it's the best partnership that they've had, not just because of what they're doing now and what we're seeing. Alvarez is a young kid coming through. Lionel Messi could be one of his idols. There's a great enthusiasm and thirst and love for Lionel Messi, but also to want to learn and play alongside Lionel Messi. When you look at the other players that Lionel Messi's played with, whether they're his age or they were older than him, he was coming through. Let's be real. We've been in a lot of dressing rooms. There's probably jealousy and arrogance and selfishness and probably a big bit of jealousy in the fact of Lionel Messi's the superstar and you might be a senior player, but you're not going to run and move for him, which is what was needed back then. You need to be in, put him in a team dynamic. So I think there was a lot of selfishness with other strikers that he played with who aren't as enthusiastic as Alvarez, who aren't going to willing, willing to make four or five runs and not get the ball. So that yeah. is why they were stagnant. That's why I think this is the perfect partnership where you've got a young player willing to make those runs, willing to make those movements because Lionel Messi is probably one of his idols who there's a great respect between the two. And that's why I find that this is Good probably point. the better partnership. And the reason why I add to that is what Michael said is, Scaloni deserves credit because he's got the great balance of youth and experience. He's gone with youth, high energy at the start, and he's got the luxury to bring on experienced players on to maybe be able to see a game out. Yeah, definitely, uh, uh, Nigel. I, I was giving the credit because a manager is not there just to get the 25, 26 players and then make the 11 and see. It's to realize what the, the team needs. It's what the players that he picked are going to be used. I mean, we've seen today uh, Dybala for a few minutes. Try to understand what is needed in every single game. And I think yeah. he realized that very quick. That's why I'm, I like to give him the credit because it's not easy to move on. Lautaro Martinez to play every single game to not even play in a, in a single minute on semifinal. That's a, a big statement. And I think that he knows that he has to make the decisions and he takes it. And I was seeing that one of the comments that they sent us and I saw Carl mention it, that he's true, Lautaro and Iwain. I have to say that Iwain is a very similar player like uh, mm. uh, Alvarez. He's one of those players who is always ready to the run. He's ready. But maybe physically or maybe the age that the way they've been playing in Argentina, they are totally different. They are different moments. But he's a very similar player. And I think the understanding between Iwain and Lionel Messi was actually very good. With Lautaro, it's different. Lautaro is a player who is more uh, to be near the box. He doesn't do that as many runs uh, or, or he does uh, as many efforts as uh, Julian Alvarez. So I would love to see them both a little bit more to see if this is the perfect partnership. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed or not, so. because that would mean that... Uh, Maybe uh, just one more game. No, I love what, I love what you, you both said about the willingness of the running. I think this is a Julian Alvarez as well, who's coming into this Argentine national team at the right time. Let's yeah. remember, this is an Argentina team that they're Copa America defending champions. There's that championship feel in the teams of the past. Is Julian Alvarez a better def better player than Higuain was, Tevez? I mean, these are – Crespo? The jury's still out. He's a young player. I mean, you have to remember who Lionel Messi has played yeah. with. Some world-class strikers who have done it at the club level and at different times have done it with the national team. But I think he's a beneficiary and he's seizing his moment. That is what I like about this partnership. The second yeah. goal is a summary of that. The determination. He Nine times out of ten, the previous strikers get the ball and they look for Messi. But he yeah. knew 
He knew that this is my goal. He's so direct. He's a young player who wants to score a goal every time he gets the ball. And he has that belief, that growing belief. And I love that in young players. He's a testament that in world football, young players can do anything they put their mind to. And back again to Scaloni, credit to him for making a bold decision, as you said, Lucha, early on, to make that switch. Because Lautaro Martinez, and you see him on Paramount Plus in the Serie A, he's a, he's a bad, bad man with Inter Milan. But as I said in a few episodes before, the man could be standing at the beach at the dock in Doha and would still miss from five yards out. Just not his tournament so far. Maybe the finals is it for him. <laughs> um, just to add to what Nigel had mentioned there real quickly, I think also what you recognize, Nigel, to your point, which is a really great point, is that there's an emphasis from Alvarez that you can see that he's he's wanting to learn. He's wanting, and he's not just learning from Messi. He's learning from Scaloni. He's learning from the players around him. You can see a real desire to learn. It's the same at City. If you watch some of his movement, and it's a natural ability, as Lucio touched upon it, his movement, his awareness, his um, his goal scoring, obviously we recognize that, but his positional play in and around that penalty area, it's a natural born talent that he has but he's willing to listen and learn. Where if you think of some of the names that we've mentioned and we have seen also in the comments, there's a bit of an ego there to a lot of those players where this kid doesn't have an ego. He wants to go. play. I almost cursed there. He wants to play and he <laughs> wants to he wants to learn and he wants to be the best player. And my oh my, is he in the best place? I mean, he is learning from Pep Guardiola, watching obviously Erling Haaland be a freak out there on the pitch, but still scoring goals when it's his time to shine. And now for Argentina, he's learning probably under the greatest player ever to play the game and around a team that is sprinkled with so much talent. He is learning also from a very, very good coach. Now, Michael, to your point you mentioned earlier on, it was a brave decision to change that midfield up and to maybe block it in a little bit, to really be defensive-minded um, in many ways, but the way they wanted to win possession of the ball. And it got me thinking, you know, in that midfield, it takes a great deal of character from someone. But where did he get these ideas from, Scaloni? Where did he come up with these ideas? I think he learned from mm -hmm. someone pretty special uh, when he was in the Premier League. How about this guy right here? I don't know if you agree with me or not. Did he learn from this guy <laughs> in that midfield? Is that oh, Nigel Rio? Oh, wait, right sorry. Is that is the captain's armband on someone's arm? Oh, yes, mine. Yeah, it's hey, photoshopped. It's hey, Lucho. It's photoshopped. Is that isn't Lucho it? in the background? That is. <laughs> that is Lucho. <laughs> that is Lucho in the background. Oh, no, no. I, he oh, could be, but I think, I think that's no, Harry Q. No, that's not Q. you, Lucho. No, that's not hey, Lucho. No, it's Harry Q. Lucho. That's too big. Too big of a backside. It's the guy from the Czech Republic. What's the name of the Czech Republic guy with the long hair? Vladimir Schmitzer. Not Schmidt, oh, the one with the long hair. Ah, um, yes. Oh, for the striker. Pat with the long Patrick Berger. Oh, Berosh. Miran, no, Miran not Berger. Berger. Berosh. Berosh, yeah. yeah. That's him. I recognize that backside anywhere. Uh, <laughs> Nigel, real quickly, just touch upon it. This is a great picture here. You know him personally. You've played with him. You've been in the locker room. The way he is handling the big moment right now is awesome to watch. And Argentina needed a character like him to be able to push this squad of players to become the best they can be. They are playing so well for him. They're playing so well and it's just it's just experience. I think when I look at him, I look at Gareth Southgate as well. Very similar characters, very similar careers. They were very, very good players. They played at the highest level for a long time, but they're not going to get in that superstar spotlight. And I think this is what people have to understand. Just because these players might have been superstars in their careers, not necessarily going to transcend for them to become superstar managers. And I think that's what Lionel's done. I think that, like I said, he's built a team. And just to go back to what we were talking about, the reason that what Michael brought up with some of the top players that Messi has played with, some of the big names, then ego comes into part of that. My point is, Alvarez and Messi so far showing great connection. Look what they're achieving and doing right now. And if you ask anyone who watches football and is honest about football, 
This is the best Argentina team. I'll emphasize the word team we have seen for decades and decades and decades. And that plays the big part because yes, I've played with Tevez and we've played with some of these other top guys. Ego plays a part. We've been in dress rooms. We know what dress rooms can be like if, if players are true to themselves. I don't see no ego. I see this young lad willing to learn. And I think this works perfectly well in a team dynamic as well as that works. Again, it stems from great leadership from a manager, Lionel Scaloni. The modern game has changed. You have to read the game as it goes on and be willing to make adjustments within the game as the game is flowing. Those days of football, of just putting your team and just telling them, oh, you, you've played enough games, you've got to win games. That doesn't work no more in this generation and this time we're playing in. Well, every manager brings their playing career and the good, the bad, and the ugly from when they played, from the people they learn under. And I just wonder if playing in the Premier League, you look at this Argentina team, if playing in the Premier League didn't have an impact on how he's coaching, the type of players that he's emphasizing. There is a bite about this Argentinian national team that I love. They are able to absorb pressure. There's a ferocity. There's there's a, an appetite and a fire that you see in a lot of Premier League games. They're willing to mix it up. If you want a street fight, they're up for it. If you want a football match, they're up for it because they have Lionel Messi. They have Alvarez. They are adaptable. And all those things are things you need to be to be successful in the English Premier League. And yeah. You know, he has that in his locker from his playing career. And it's just a bit different from what we've seen from this Argentinian national team in years past. And I think that's a big key to his success. I think in, my, in the way that I've seen it, uh, he was like this. As a player, he was intense. Uh, all the Argentinian uh, guys or players, they got that that uh, DNA, that gene that makes them competitive. And he's very, very competitive. I play against him many times in that right side, and he was always a fighter. He was always running up and down, nonstop. And he's got that. Apart from that, mm -hmm. he's been learning in the past few years. Having the chance of being in different uh, countries and being in different teams allowed you to learn a lot of things. But I think that the, 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 the credit that I want to give him every single time, and I think he, he was spot on, is that he understood that this team is built on Lionel Messi. They don't have big players in the middle of the park. You got the ball, you got Paredes, you got uh, McAllister, you got players who they're decent on the ball, but what the best of them is that they are ready to fight for Lionel Messi behind him, to run, to give yes. battle, to put legs on it. At the back, you got amazing experience with Romero Tameni today. They were fantastic, wonderful, uh, ready, on time, and never lost the focus, never lost the composure at the back, always ready to fight. And when you have a team like that, build around the, one of the best players of the history that can make the difference when he's on the ball, Everybody, and you guys just mentioned, everybody's ready to battle. We want to give this trophy to Lionel Messi, and we're going to do whatever it takes to do mm -hmm. it. We know that we don't have the talent, the dazzling performances that we, everybody expects, but about our team, we know how to compete. And today they prove it. They were fantastic overall, the, the whole uh, game. Brilliant. Mike, you're going to say something, mate? Oh, no, no, no. You jump in first. I was, no, I was just going to say, you know, like exactly what um, Lucho said is funny because it just brings me back to memories of some of the Argentinians mm. that I've played with. They're crazy. They're very crazy football players mm. and they're passionate about their football because it stems from culturally and playing football from Argentina first and what it means to play football. And that's what I love to see. And I think that we see that from this Argentina team. You see everyone fighting tackles. They're not scared. They battle through. And again, they're playing for Lionel Messi. And it is great to see. And for me, what I'm happy about is seeing vintage Lionel Messi today. Mm. Seeing vintage Lionel Messi that we used to see when he just came through at Barcelona, 
pirouetting on the ball, comfortable on the ball. And you could see on his face as well, he was enjoying his football. It didn't seem like a burden. But I would say again that this is the best performance we've seen from Argentina so far in this tournament. And there, it was a scary sight to see. Uh, what, fantastic what, performance. Like, on, it was an absolutely fantastic performance from Lionel Messi today. And when I watched the, the goal, obviously, yet again, another assist from him. There's a little stat here I have about his assist, his eighth mm. World Cup assist. And listen, he's, for me, he's the greatest player ever to play, Lionel Messi. When I watch him play, I can't believe I'm lucky enough in my generation to watch a player like him live and to watch him all the way through his career. Obviously, Lucho, you know him incredibly well. Um, but just watching his development and becoming, obviously, the player and the genius and the world-class superstar that he is, the way he handles it, um, even when he, he went down with the hamstring, you could tell that something's bothering him. And obviously, we'll come to that in just a minute here. But to then see him turn Croatia inside out the way that he did do. George Best is one of my favorite players all time. Just never watched him live, but watched him jink the ball and get kicked off the field. And it reminded me of George Best, the way he fell over, was knocked over, but it's not. It's Lionel Messi, and there's nobody like Lionel Messi. The way he created that goal, and obviously I'm so happy for him chasing this golden boot now and obviously chasing with one hand on the trophy right now. How much of a concern, Lucho, is it for... Um, now Argentina that Messi was uh, tweaking on that hamstring? I think none, to be honest. I I, I think that the, for the first few minutes, maybe he didn't work. He's a, he's a player who doesn't warm up very much. He jogs around, played with the ball, and maybe he felt something in one of those. He's been a long... He played almost everything, every single minute. He arrived there to semifinal. Suddenly, maybe a run. He can feel it a little bit, but you know when I realized that it was okay because he was walking around, he stretched a couple of times and he didn't make a, a efforts during those three, four minutes. But suddenly yeah. he, 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 we saw the penalty. And if you continue watching the, the, the play that everybody's focusing on what about the penalty, he sprints from the penalty spot to try to get that, that ball that he was going yeah. out. When I saw that sprint, I said, now it's all good. It's all good. And then he never stretched again. He never said. So I think it was a little bit that those few minutes that he didn't even warm up, it felt stretched a little bit. It was a couple of chances that you could see one by once and it stretched a little bit too much. And trust me, eh, I was afraid he's going to stretch a little bit too much. He's going to pull it and he's he done. Did. And he's done. Yeah. But when I saw that sprint, I said, no, it's going to be fine. And I don't think, of course, he's going to be tired, of course. But he knows very well his body. We've seen him playing for the PSG for the past year, walking around, just knowing when to spring, when to not. And look, he was 83 minutes when he got that ball and started dribbling and pushing and pushing people. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's just that, Lucho. Yeah. I felt like I was watching videos of Maradona out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was the angry Messi. This was the Messi that I loved seeing after the Dutch game. Going to Louis van Gaal, and my ears are way too – well, they're probably too small sometimes. I think they're too big. But just doing that, <laughs> you know, maybe they're bigger than I think. But just doing that, there is a swagger to Lionel Messi that I love. This is the Messi of Barcelona. This is the Messi that when he wants to, he says, you know what, I'm going to call game. And as you said, when he made that sprint, but even before that, credit to his teammates for recognizing, I mean, when you have your superstar player who is checking to see if his body's okay, someone has to do the work. You have Julian Alvarez jumping back on defense. You have 10 players behind the ball fighting for their lives, saying, you know what, Messi, make sure you're okay. Make sure whatever you need to do, we'll take the brunt. We will suffer for you. And that is a team, that's a team that I don't think anyone wants to face. And as I said, Nigel, I just might think it's coming home. It's <laughs> yeah. but not to England, but not to England. <laughs> no, no, you got anything on Messi? 
It's just, honestly, I, I think for me, my thing I'm taking today is the performance was great by Argentina and we saw a bit of vintage Messi. Uh, I think it's a great achievement. They've made it to the final. They've got the objective done where they were one of the favourite teams to get to the final and they completed that task, unlike Brazil. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we've still got a final. We know how beautiful this game is and anything is possible. You know, you can't just write off France or write off Morocco. So uh, it's, it's great what they've done. And again, this whole greatest of all time debate is so subjective and I, and I can't stand when people get into it because people feel there has to be one I don't look at football that way I look at I football from different generations and appreciating players in that generation what it is and when you talk about this generation now the conversation is going to be Messi and Ronaldo that that's all it's going to be and it's it's about them too but you can't leave out the likes of Luka Modric because let's be real, he's a fantastic football player, and he deserves not on that his level, power. Nigel. And, he's and a fantastic so player, but he's not on that level. Not. Yes, but he's st- but he's still for some people it might be. It's different for different people. Ian. I agree. You know? I agree. So I just think for certain people, you can't say that. For me personally, you can't say Lionel Messi. Oh, he's the greatest of all time. That's it because of goals and no, because you've got to give credit to the likes yeah. of Pele, Maradona, Zidane. What they did in their career, you know, how many World Cups did Pele win? How many World Cups did Maradona win? You got to give credits to them. So it's, it's different for different generations. Uh, Nigel, you're getting hammered in the comments right here. We've got one coming in from Antigua. He says, is this, yes. is this bald guy anti-Argentinian? Like, what is going on? Bald man, explain yourself. I don't have to explain nice. myself. I've got Argentinian friends. I'm very subjective and I keep speak my mind. I keep it real. That's the hey, thing. I don't does, do this whole nonsense. Does this guy not know that you're Scaloni's best mate? Does he not know he doesn't, that? He doesn't know. That's the thing. It's it's Twitter, Twitter fingers or whatever you want to call it. Keyboard, <laughs> keyboard right. warriors. Let keyboard, me wrap he it doesn't up know here. me, Ian. Uh, I dare him to call me bald to my face. He would never do that. Don't you worry about it, Nigel. And certainly don't go and try to find him, Nigel. Okay, just stay there at home. Enjoy. Get a glass of wine. You'll be fine. Uh, players to score in the last 16. Uh, six players have done. Quarterfinal, semifinals of a single World Cup tournament since 1986 when the round of 16 was first introduced. Uh, question time for you. Can you name one player? There has been six. Lionel Messi being the sixth player. Lucho, you've got five seconds to answer. Can you name one player who has done it? Uh, no chance, man. I'm so bad nope. on this. I mean, half zero. Nigel. Memories. What's the question? Nope. The question is six players have scored in the last 16, the quarterfinal and the semifinal. Only six players have done it since it was the last 16 was introduced in uh, oh, 1986. Can you name one? Ronaldo. Nope. V Ronaldo. Mike. Mike. Uh, Rivaldo. Nope. Schilacci did it in 1990. Uh, Roberto Baggio did it in 1994. Christo uh, Stoichkov did it in 1994. Davor Sucker did it in uh, 1998. Yes. Wesley Schneider, Lucio, you what? should know this, did it in 2010 when obviously Spain went on to win yeah. the whole thing. Thanks for playing, everybody. But let's, before we go to break, just touch upon uh, Croatia. We say goodbye to them. We say goodbye to Luka Modric, who, you know, as you said, rightfully so, Nigel, what a phenomenal, phenomenal player. It was fun to watch him out there. I was desperate for him to get a goal or even get a shot mm-hmm. on target. Um, but it was uh, it was pretty awesome to watch Croatia in this competition. They are pretty much the masters of the knockout stages. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael, what's your thoughts on them as we say goodbye to Croatia now? I just wish they could shoot from outside the box. They did so well to get into the 18. And especially when they brought Petkovic on. But even before that, in the first 20 minutes, they did so well to possess, to to draw Argentina out, move them side to side. But when you're playing against a low block, shoot the ball. It's going to make, make them respect your attack a bit more. They didn't do that. You're not going to score goals if you don't get shots on target. Cost them amongst other things today. Nigel. Yeah, I, I just I think for me that they played well. They're a great footballing nation. They really are. You have to appreciate and understand the game and you watch how they played, how they passed and moved the game. And again, I think for me, that goal, that first goal for Argentina was a punch to the gut 
And that's what really changed the momentum. The second goal as well, with a, a bit of element of luck. But again, it's great, um, great hard work and tenacity shown by Alvarez. And I think that's what just knocked Croatia for six. And that was it. Because, you know, goal scoring wasn't always their strongest point in this World Cup. They had a good, solid team, good formation organisation. But I think for me, again, it goes to the fact of this is the best Argentina performance we've seen so far this entire World Cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was missing a little bit something up front. Again, I was waiting for Kramary to show up. I was waiting for Pasali to show up. I was waiting a little bit more from Perisic. I mean, we've seen Perisic flying the, that left wing. We haven't mm -hmm. seen much from him when he yeah, shot. Uh, the, it was a little bit with confidence. And you got Petkovic into the, on the bench and you don't use it just later on and you don't put even two crosses. So I was missing a little bit. I enjoy watching Kovacic once again. Modric, of course, once again today. They were the, the heart of this team. And one of them, because he's one of the special players with uh, um, Modric when he's on the ball, Kovacic, he was the one who was saying, listen, I got the ball and I passed the lines and let's try to find someone else there up front. But there was no one. No one like you guys are mentioning. No shooting, no one be one There was nothing happening. And when you play against Argentina, you need at least to put them uh, uh, any danger to, to to try to make them go out a little bit or try to put them uh, a, one, a wall pass in front of the box to try to get maybe you got good a shooter from outside the box, not even a, um, a fall right there. So I was missing a few things. Yeah, you can have the ball. They were dominant in the first 25 minutes. True that, that they were doing it very well. But again, I re it remind me a little bit about Spain. Yes, a lot of passing. Yes, a lot of having, but in front, the end product, nothing at all. And well, it was a pity because I was expecting a little bit more from them today. I think there's only been 12 goals from 162, if, I, if my math is correct, that have been from outside of the box. Only 12 from 160-odd goals. That's, that's not really a high number from shots, free kicks, things like that being taken outside the box. You've seen, obviously, a little bit of a different game. A lot of players are trying to break through the defenses. Tactically trying to break down defenses. I don't know, sitting back and, and maybe playing a higher pressure. I don't know, Nigel. It's an interesting I blame question. Lucho and that team there behind him. <laughs> that shirt on the right-hand side. That tiki -taki. Tiki -taki. Yeah, since Pep came out there, then now everyone wants to copy that style and try and score the perfect goal. All right, we got to get to a break, everybody. This has been the longest uh, first half of a, a show we've ever done on House of Champions. Uh, more to come from us when we come back. We're going to get fired into the other semi-final matchup, Morocco versus France. We'll have a quick preview for you before we get out of here. You're watching House of Champions. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Or don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code ALLYEAR at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. Or you could scan the QR code. Nigel, where's the QR code? Yeah! <laughs> he knows the difference between left and right. Welcome back, everybody. You're watching House of Champions. Just a quick uh, picture we thought oh, we thought of uh, What's this? Best friends with a genius? Luis Costa, best friends with a genius. What was he like, Lucho? What was he like as a person? Like, obviously, you know him closely. Right. You've watched him develop as a youngster. What was he? Is he quiet? Very quiet. Very shy guy. No talking much. Remember that uh, he's 16 in that picture. It's crazy. Wow. And I got a couple more having dinner with him on, on the table and, and talking. He was, a, he was a very shy guy. And to be honest, we knew that he was good. Uh, we played together three games, apart from the one in, in Porto when he made the debut, three games in the that Asian tour that we did in, in China. And um, he was very quiet. He was very good. But Again, no one knew at that time he will become. I mean, I, I definitely didn't see it. I, th- I thought I was a guy from the academy and I look after him very well because I know that for me, it was very important when I uh, arrived to the first team. And I remember I love that picture because I don't know what I was telling him, to be honest. <laughs> You're going to be good. I know that. Trust, trust the process. I don't know. <laughs> just, I, I, I just love the picture because, again, he, he mentioned in one of the interviews, no, I'm going to go to the first team. Um, when he was yeah. 16 after. And uh, now I'm going to be there with some players for the first team, Luis Garcia, Xavi Hernandez. And I saw that interview not long ago, like six years ago, something like that. And I was thinking, wow. Just the, the, the thinking about, I'm, I'm, I'm a massive fan, I have to tell you. I'm, and I enjoy watching players. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have like big idols and stuff, uh, but uh, I enjoy watching him and seeing what he has become, how he has developed and what the, uh, the player has been for, for football, I yeah. just enjoy much. But just to think about that, he was remembering me as one of the players he was mm-hmm. looking after because he was playing in the same position like me. Yeah, kind of made me proud. And I did something good in that picture because uh, definitely he, he reminded me after uh, five, six years after we played Spain against Argentina, he was under 21, I think, and we were playing the first team. And it was brilliant. So, yeah, I got um, a lot, a lot of respect for him. Love that. Nigel? Yeah. Lucho's probably looking at a mirror there. That's what you can't see. There's a mirror there and Lucho's looking at himself <laughs> in the mirror. That is smiling. That's what's happening. Lucho's looking at himself in the mirror. Oh, I look brilliant. good to the picture, yeah. That's brilliant. We do, we do have a great comment coming in from Matt. He says, uh, how does Lucho look younger now than he did back in that picture right there? <laughs> yeah, <Lucho. laughs> it's the yeah. turtleneck. It's the turtleneck, Matt. Come on. Uh, let, guys, let's get into it. We're running out of time here. We've got about 10 minutes left. Morocco against France coming up tomorrow. Latest news 
out of the French camp is not good. It sounds like there's a bit of an illness going around between the mm. French players. Zopamecano and Rabiot have missed practice. Um, both are ill, not knowing whether or not they're going to be able to play a part in the game tomorrow. Uh, maybe it's a bit of gamesmanship. Maybe it's a bit of uh, trying to confuse the opposition here as to how they're going to actually approach this game. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Um, this is a big game, obviously, for Morocco. Yeah. We recognize it going up against France. There is those political debates going on with a lot of the Moroccans living in France. Um, but this is going to be a very tough game for France, full stop, because Morocco are tough to score goals against. They have a lot of fans in attendance in this game, and Morocco yeah. are playing some pretty good football, man. This is a Morocco team that's daring to believe, and they have a manager in Regragri, Walid Regragri, first African coach to take a team not just to the unthinkable of the semifinals, but the first ever African coach to take an African country. That is a dynamic that's shifting in the continent of Africa. And when you know how to speak to your players, when you come from the culture your players and your country comes from, you can take the marker, the standard, that one step further. And to see Regragri coming out and saying, hey, why can't we just go and let's just go and win this thing? That is a dangerous thing if you're France, because you are banking on a Morocco team that is maybe going to rest on their laurels, maybe feel good about what they've done, believe some of the newspaper clippings. They will be buoyed by the fact that Tunisia, another North African country with ties to France, have already gone and beaten the France team. No, was it their A team? No, it wasn't. But still, they will have confidence because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They will look to defend and hit on the counter. They are going to try and frustrate this France team. All they want, all they need is one opportunity, one half chance, and they will punish you. They are that potent at this World Cup. Mm -hmm. And just before I jump, it's just to go back to what Lucho said there. Like, I love watching the game of football. I love watching players and just enjoying it. When I look at this Morocco team, I truly enjoy watching them. And just to add to what Michael said there, I don't believe at all with what they've achieved so far and, and the displays they've put on the football pitch, that they would ever look at themselves as underdogs against this French team. I think that they're going to be very, very confident that they can get the job done. Maybe there's a bit of gamesmanship from France right now, because again, the performance against England wasn't great. For the first time we've seen how shaky and uncomfortable the French defence can look. And this Morocco defence, they defend with their lives, but when they attack, they attack with such freedom, such belief, and I believe there's going to be so much belief within these players and their faith that they have that's going to be something very big and powerful. It's going to be a great game. And I, I honestly just can't wait to see it and, and enjoy the game of football. Yep. Yeah, fantastic battles on the field, uh, Nigel. Looking forward to see that Hakimi against Mbappé. What is, uh, is going to happen with Dembélé on the right side? But I think the only concern for Morocco right now is um, that um, French has got a centre-forward, a proper centre-forward that is going to worry a lot the two centre-backs. I, I was checking the play, uh, against Spain, no centre-forward, against Portugal, no centre-forward, against Canada, no centre-forward, and against Belgium, that they won 2-0. Uh, and uh, it was Batshuayi that, uh, yeah, it was. we can call it centre-forward, but it wasn't involved much on the, on the game, to be honest. No, 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 I mean... Shots fired by Lucha. Grab it for once. So, but to be honest, they, they, they have a proper centre-forward. Centre-forward is in the box that can hold the ball, that if there is no space, you put the ball on the top, he can hold it. He can allow Griezmann to arrive, so many Rabiot to arrive, and then they, they 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 can make trouble. The players on the right side, they, they on the right and the left side, they know that if they put crosses, he's gonna arrive, and that's a big big worry because if you try to pass them on passes, there's no chance. There is no space. They they close up very very well. They are very tight. They are very disciplined, so they never lose the composure. So at the end, I think that 
having a play like uh, Giroud up front is going to be a trouble for them because they are going to need to have every single time an eye on him, on crosses, on balls in between the lines. And, well, you always have other players. Of course, Griezmann, I think, has been a key player for for France uh, on the build-up and arriving in the last third. But, again, having Giroud, I think he can make a massive difference for these uh, France That's sides against Morocco. Yeah, I think two points of concern from the France side that I think Morocco can take advantage of is down the spine. Upamecano, I said it before, you were right. There is something wrong at Bayern, and it's Upamecano. There is something wrong with this French national team, and it's Upamecano. Harry Kane is giving El Nesri a recipe for success. Go at this guy. He is going to lunge in, and El Nesri, he can run in. We see him in in Syria, or Syria, I wish Syria, La Liga with Sevilla. He, he's not just a, a center forward who can just jump and athletically gifted can get in the air. He makes intelligent runs. He's already scored a goal by making an intelligent run in behind. I believe it was against Canada. This is a striker who is playing with a ton of confidence. That is one 1v1 matchup to watch for Morocco in the midfield. Who is going to come in for France? Fafana is. I look at a player like Onahi. This guy was my man of the match last game, can cover every blade of grass. For Fofana, he is going to be thinking a lot about his performance against Tunisia because he did not have a good game. He was at fault for the goal that Tunisia scored the winner on. If I'm Onahi, I would go right at him as well. Those two players for France, if they have good performances, the French will win the game. If Morocco can win that 1v1 battle with those two matchups, Morocco will win the game. Min Chi coming in in the comments saying, I haven't been following Morocco team, so I can't really say, but I think that France will probably win tomorrow, though maybe a bit too much 2-1, they reckon. Uh, we also have some more predictions coming in for this game. Nemi Afawale saying that Morocco will win this game. James Short is predicting 0-0 goes to PKs and France will fall. Matt Osman, France 2, Morocco 0. little teary eye right there. Probably a little bit upset, like you, Nigel, that Morocco <laughs> might get knocked out of this competition. Um, then we've got uh, Luis, obviously, um, there's a little comment coming in here saying that you said that Jonathan David sucks. I don't think you said that. I think you're a fan of Jonathan David, but you know, not many uh, strikers cause problems to this Morocco defense. And that was a great point right there. So maybe you want to take that comment back. Uh, neither will the Morocco backline comes in from Ivan Urabi. If Morocco pulls it off, then Argentina is going to win it. If Guardiol can't hold Messi <laughs> down, then who can? Nigel? <laughs> I don't get it here. Like, why do people say things like that? That if Morocco pulls it off, then all of a sudden we're just going to gift it to Argentina. It's a different game, people. Why do people not just... Have this understanding. Respect the game of football. Every game is different. Every game's not the same. It's, it's not a given that Argentina are going to win this World Cup. It is the beauty of our lives, Nigel, that there is freedom of speech for a majority of people in our world. Not everyone deserves to speak. I don't give a damn. <laughs> Unless you're saying something intelligent that's making me think logically and think from a different perspective that I can understand, yes. But if you're just going to say stupidness, just go somewhere else. Uh, wait, 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 we got another bald comment coming in. Will you call that one? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. We don't have another bald comment coming in. Uh, Luis, we haven't heard from you on your prediction of the score uh, on the Morocco-France game. What do you think will happen in this game? Give me a score prediction, please. I'm I'm going to go for a 2-0 for France. That's the way I yeah. see I I think that Morocco has been doing an amazing job. Uh, they are doing... An extra effort uh, mentally, but I think they, they are a little bit drained. Probably the power is going to last for 60 minutes, but I, I, I still think the France has got just too much quality on the field and on the bench waiting, and that's very difficult. And again, I know the Morocco is doing great, and I enjoy watching them, what they are doing, but um, too much quality on the French side, and uh, there is a lot on the stakes, and I expect them to, to go to the final. It will be a beautiful final. ML, what you got, man? Just remind us all, please. 
Ah, man, I think I have two nil on my actual prediction sheet in the group chat. As much as I am all for this Moroccan team, as much as I believe in them, injuries, the wear and tear on the body, potential injuries for Morocco. That is a big question mark because the amount of games, the way they've played this World Cup, big question mark for me of how do they show up? I think this is a France team that will be ready to go. But I do think Upamakano will give about six errors in this game as he does for Bayern. So something definitely wrong with McConnell. Nigel, did you see that? That was um, a football friend comment right there from Lloyd. <laughs> He's like, 2-0, you said 2-0? 2-0, friend! Football friend! Nigel, just can you please remind us all what your prediction was for this game, please, just so we can all get a little bit excited. I, unlike Michael, I actually have a bit more faith and belief. Don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from <laughs> France and any French fans, but I'm just taking, there's something about this Morocco side, <laughs> I feel they can achieve greatness i honestly just do because we can't say they got here by luck they've beaten portugal they've beaten spain they've got the capability to beat them yes france have mbappe Giroud, griezmann and dembele that's going to be problems for them but there's just something that i just feel morocco are going to get the job done i have gone for a tight game but i've just gone for two one with morocco i'm probably going with mm. my heart more so than anything else but i believe it can happen and uh, it's funny and there's actually quite a funny comment in the uh, is it SM Go. saying something about Canada again? And I'm just like, listen, the Canada, the only team to score <laughs> versus Morocco. A little respect. Listen, SM, I'm a back. Yeah. Well, they just got an own goal. goal, yeah. goal yeah. Right? Listen, SM, <laughs> Canada have one of the brightest future in this region. You have you nothing tell them to that. worry about. You tell them that. Uh, James Short, you're right. You don't want to be on a football pitch with me because my mouth is dirty. <laughs> All right, Nigel, listen. <laughs> He's taking the, the last thing. The last thing we want is you going into the comments and going after going everybody. In. All right. I'd like to thank everybody out there in the comments for your comment and for liking and subscribing to our show and sharing uh, before Nigel finishes off the show. Thank you and continue to do so. We have a lot of respect for all of you. Your comments are always put up here. We always like to hear from you. Please keep them respectfully, of course, and we try to show the respect and return to everybody out there. Um, obviously, we've got the superstars and the House of Champions today. Now, we got to move on because we've got about five minutes left here. I want to actually touch upon a point that hopefully all of you can comment on. Uh, we continue to see this uh, Giorena versus Greg Berhalter, Mike. This issue keeps yeah. coming up. Gio mm -hmm. coming out yesterday on his social media, I think it was Instagram, um, he did say in quotes, I am disappointed that there is continuing coverage of this matter, as well as some highly uh, fictionalized version of events, and extremely surprised that anyone in on the US men's national team staff would contribute to it. Reina wrote on Monday, Coach Berhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house so we can focus on team unity and progress. That didn't happen, Michael LaHood. There seems to be a big problem here. What the hell's going on, man? You know, Greg Berhalter has talked a lot about creating a culture, that the culture comes first before any single player. For the U.S. men's national team, the future, the future is Gio Reyna. That is not a player you want to have in this situation. I give Gio Reyna credit for holding himself accountable by not just saying it's Berhalter and this, this, that, and the third, but saying, hey, I didn't behave well. I lost my cool. I was very emotional. That has been dealt with at the World Cup. What I struggle with, and we will see this play out, is as a manager, how did this get leaked out when you anonymously say something about a player? It's a, it's a modern day. When you anonymously say something about a player, I'm not going to say a name in an interview, but anonymously, we almost threw a player out who wasn't really buying into our culture. He wasn't getting many minutes. Deductive reasoning, you're going to find out Giorena at some point. I always go to the top when I see things like this. 
The head coach, the manager, is responsible for the culture in the locker room and also the captain. This is a U.S. men's national team that has to stuff this sort of stuff out because that will cost them in the long run. They have a great opportunity with the Gold Cup coming up. They have an even bigger opportunity hosting the World Cup. I hope this gets resolved sooner rather than later. Uh, Michael, Michael, Michael. I agree with you, but I disagree with you in the sense of the captain has a bit of responsibility. I disagree. When something like that happens, when you have the player directly talking about the manager and coaching staff, that came out from management and coaching. That was one of the managers or coaches within that system. That's not a player story. That's one of the people in position of power that let that story come out, which is sad because it was dealt with. And whether you look at it as a bit of a deflection as well, it's not good when that happens. I think it's horrible when that happens. And I think for me, it's not a good look in the US team with what's going on right now that a story like that leaks out. It's from management and they let it out because they wanted it to come out. That's why, because they probably don't want to answer questions on why he wasn't heavily involved, why he didn't play. And they wanted that to come out. But as I've said it before, managers lies, players lie. Football environment, football is a great career. But it's just like a regular working office. There will be people who you get along with, people you don't. There'll be all types of stuff that goes on in football dressing rooms. The good dressing rooms always have a fantastic manager in place who is in charge of everything and keeps everyone on the same page in the same direction. And you'll never have to deal with situations like that. So just just to clarify here, you think that there was, uh, you know, Berhalter has to take some blame with this, right? He has to take some blame because that came from that came from management. That's not something that Gino would have yeah. want to come out anyway. That's come from I personally believe, in my experiences, that's come from management side of things or one of the coaching staff. I'm with you on that one. Here, I'll add a, a quick two cents on on my thoughts on this as well. I actually predicted that Gio Reyna would have a fantastic World Cup. Actually, going into the World Cup, he'd gotten rid of his injuries and he was in really good form going into the World Cup. And that's why I predicted this could be his moment to shine. He's been rested. He's been injured for a majority of the season. Come back just in time to get ready for a World Cup. Greg Berhalter, who I know very well as well. Sorry, Greg, if you're watching this, but it really annoyed me. The fact that you took this stance on a player who could have changed how this all ended for the U.S. men's national team at a World Cup. You can't have, in my opinion, you can't have these big problems. At times, you will have egos in a camp. We've all been there where we have these players who are annoying and we have to have these conversations. But this is a phenomenal player. This is a player who can absolutely be a game changer for you. If you're going to bring him to a World Cup, in my opinion, you've got to try and play him. And if he's the one who's actually been the bad apple in the camp, then you have to get him out of the camp. So the biggest mistake was keeping him around. If you weren't going to play him, Get rid of him. Get him out of the camp. But if you're going to keep him in the camp, you got to play a kid like this, man, because he could win you those games when you need him most. He could have been a game changer in a massive game like against the Netherlands because he's that good. Kid goes back to Borussia Dortmund, bangs one in the top corner. All of a sudden, you know, everyone's talking about how great Gio Reyna is. It's too late now. World Cup's gone. These egos, these battles inside the U.S. men's national team camp are absolutely ridiculous. They're driving me crazy. I don't think Greg helps it. At all, I think he actually is a problem when he says, well, we keep everything in-house and, you know, we, we try to do it and I have respect. I know Greg, right? I played against Greg. Greg was a freaking idiot, man. Greg used to hammer people, headbutt yeah. the walls, fight with people. He's not this calm guy you see uh, gently. No, be yourself, man. Be Love it. Yourself. Come out in the media <laughs> and say this little guy was a bit of a willy. This guy acted immature and it should have been dealt with better. Be honest. That's what the media wants. That's what your team wants. That's what Gio Reyna wanted. 
honest day. And nobody won with all of this situation here. Nobody won. I'm getting uh, hammered by my producer, Des, here for mentioning the word Willie. So I'll say it again. <laughs> Willie, Willie, Willie. It was a disappointment for me and massive disappointment that we didn't get to see the best of Gio Reyna in there as well. Luis Garcia, I've got a quick comment from you, a quick question for you before we get out of here. Um, I don't know if you noticed here, but Belgium did go on social media and posted an application form for um, the new <laughs> manager's job. It was on social media. And we're all wondering no. if that's why you wrote Turtleneck, I, you've already done the call, you know? Yeah, and I already sent my CV, so I'm waiting for the response. Luis Garcia. Yes, we are him for this. Hold on, wait, Ian. Oh, he's, hey, oh, yeah, I, think, I think Lucho could also do this USA job. I'm telling you. Mm. Lucho could do this yeah. USA job if that becomes name available. Lucho, in my opinion, Lucho, don't go into management. I know you've got all your licenses, but I can see you in a business role. I'd like to see you in yeah. maybe a president or a CEO How are you role. Gonna tell him what to do. Don't you start putting <laughs> words in his mouth. I, 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 I don't want that. to lose him. Have a passion for being on the pitch. He might have a passion for being on the pitch. I know Luis very well. I know Luis very well. I know what he likes. I enjoy, I enjoy very much uh, being when I did the course for UEFA mm. for two years about managing, and I enjoy very much to be in the corporate right. yeah, administration. Sure, yeah, so yeah. Let's end yeah, the show. Exactly. It's Spanish wine. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want you to finish media, Lucho. We're having no. too much fun with you as well. Although Matt just jumped in with a last comment here saying, Lucho, please run for Barcelona president and fix the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's really an impossible yeah, yeah. job. And we're going to end on that comment right there. Thank you so much to everybody for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video. So subscribe to us as YouTube. We'll be back at it again uh, tomorrow after the semifinal. Can't wait for it as well. Um, the boys will be back in action. Can't wait to see everybody then. But to Luis Garcia, Nigel Rio Coker, and Michael LaHood, thank you so much, boys, for all of your comments out there and everybody else who joined in the show. We appreciate you. Don't necessarily listen to Nigel Rio Coco when he comes at you. He won't find you. He's not going to hunt you down. He's not very active on social media. He's here every night, though, so you can make sure you join in the conversation with us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.